This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, Aust here. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to play you a short clip from my favorite episode of Homesteady, and then I'll explain why right afterward. This comes from our episode all about ducks, and it's a segment where we developed a quiz to help you figure out if you were abducted. In case you're wondering if you've been abducted, I have a short quiz for you to take. Answer these three questions and you'll know whether or not you have been abducted. A. Have you ever taken a duck inside of your home to live there like a person? They were uh, brooding them in the tub. In that the was bathtub. the worst thing ever. We so this must have. All right, this it's must. Very much the pet duck who comes inside and watch movies. Her favorite uh, movie is the documentary, um, which is all about ducks. So she loves watching that on the couch. Yeah. So he was sitting in the house for a little while for about a week until I was able to build him a bed. And I've got actually a picture of him camped out by a kerosene heater inside the house. B. Do you have ridiculously cutesy names for every single one of your ducks? Snowball and Marshmallow. Jackson, Skipper, and White Duck became Svetlana. And then we have Dewey and Egbert, and that's because it's coffee. You watch Game of Thrones? No. One of the characters has three dragons, so I named them after the dragons, Viserion, Drogon, and Rhaegal. <laughs> and we also had, uh, we had Lady Margaret Thrasher, but she is no longer with she us. She unfortunately passed. We have, we have one Drake, and his name is Sir Winston Duckbill. Um, we started off raising ducks when we began watching Down Abbey, so. Um, and then we have Ben Affleck. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had to come up with something duck-themed. And C, do you refer to yourself as a duck person? I got to be a, uh, a duck parent <laughs> during a nice snow and ice storm. Ducks. We're, we're duck people now, so we're like, they're not all ducks. As, uh, I'm a duck guy now. It's <laughs> if 
If you've answered all three of these questions yes, then I don't think I have to tell you. You're a duck person. You've been abducted. You've let these creatures control you. These creatures you love so much and yet describe like this. Um, ducks are the worst. You just look at them, they're, they're just ridiculous looking animals. They're the worst, they're gross, they're ugly. And they look like sort of this weird platypus. Ducks are goofy, you know? That duck episode of the podcast was my all-time favorite episode of the Homesteady podcast. And it's really because it's so rich with stories, good stories. We had the duck picked up at the Ruby Tuesday, who turned its owner into a duck farmer. We had the story of Svetlana the duck. We had my friend Pac-Man and his wife Lauren, their new duck farm. And all those stories, we were able to weave them all together with music, choosing the select parts of the story that really worked. And in that little clip, you hear how I like to produce podcasts. You hear the three different stories all weaving together with music in the background, this funny little quiz that you're taking. It's interactive. It drives the point home. I like sculpting podcasts like that. But here's the problem. Podcasts like that take our small team of people doing it on a voluntary basis part-time about a month to produce. You see, we have to first find the different stories. We have to find the right stories, different people to interview. And then we go through that bulk tape and we cut out a lot of the fluff of the story. And we save the best parts and we accent them with music with pausing and all the arts of storytelling. And all that work takes a lot of time. Then we edit out the bloopers, put some background music. It's a major project. A couple months back, we started doing a weekly podcast. We wanted to see if we could do it, kind of a trial run. And we could. We put out a podcast every week. But those podcasts sounded very different from the one you just listened to. It wasn't just that we didn't edit out the coughs. We didn't weave the stories together with the music. We didn't tell a sculpted tale. Instead, we hit record, added some background music to certain parts, and then hit publish. We've realized here at Homesteady that we cannot produce the high-quality, heavily sculpted episodes of the show every week. Instead, we can produce a weekly show with a nice topic, something that will inspire you and educate you, that will have some music, there won't be coughing in it, we'll edit out the bloopers. But it is a very different style of show. And now it's time for us to make a decision. Do we go the route of the heavily edited, sculpted work of art, or do we put out a weekly show to keep you educated, inspired, entertained, and keep the ball rolling? I don't know. I want to know what you think. And so we have a survey over at thisishomesteady.com. Click the button on the home page. It will take you to the survey. Your answers are going to matter so much as to which direction we head. So if you don't mind waiting for the once a month show and you love that heavily sculpted narrative that really tells a powerful story with the punchline at the right point with the music, 
it all culminating together. If your favorite kind of episodes are the ones that we were doing once a month, those are my favorites. And honestly, that's what I want to make. That's what I want to go back to. Then go over to homesteady.com, click on the survey button and let us know. And if you're like, you know what, Aust, I don't care about all that editing. I just want to hear this information. I just want to be educated. And I like hearing from you guys every week. I like following the story. Well, then let me know that. Because in the last couple weeks since we did the weekly show, we've been getting email from both sides. People telling us, yeah, we love it. And others saying, go back to what you were doing. And we want your opinion. So head on over there. We're going to give you guys a month to fill out this survey and let us know what direction to take the show. We want your input. You can help shape this show. So fill out that survey. One of you will be given a $100 gift certificate to Tractor Supply as a thank you. So it's a little prize. If you put the survey, you'll be entered into the random drawing. Thank you so much, guys. Please leave us your opinions over there at the site. And now you can enjoy listening to a recording. This isn't our podcast. It's just a recording from the, the live stream over on YouTube that we do every Tuesday night. It's all about farm workshops and how to make some money from them. So I hope you enjoy this uh, recording of the live stream. Again, this isn't the podcast. It's not heavily edited. It's it's not that really beautiful work of art. This is just a recording of something we did over on YouTube. And we will be back with the podcast either weekly or monthly next month. But depending on which kind you all want to hear will depend on the kind we come back with. So please let us know. We want your opinion uh, because I want to go back to once a month beautiful works of art. But that's just me. So let us know over at the survey and we will talk to you soon. Now enjoy the recording. Hey guys, it's been a very busy week here on the homestead. And uh, we are going to talk about that busy week that we had. Uh, we finally got the orchard in. And that orchard, we've been talking about it for uh, for m- months and uh, maybe not months, but we've definitely been talking for at least a month or so. Uh, the preparation for it, everything that went into it. And over the weekend, we did a really awesome, we had a great on-farm workshop. And that's what we're going to talk about today is running on-farm workshops. And you'll notice in the title of this this subject, uh, we call it profitable on-farm workshops. What do we mean when we talk about profitable workshops? Well, obviously, if you're running a farm business, you want to be making some money. And so when you first look at the title, you think, okay, profitable farm workshops. We're talking about a workshop where as a small farm, you can make some money. And that is definitely one way to work, uh, to look at it. But just this morning, I got a message in my email. One of the people who came to our workshop left a five-star review with Google, uh, telling everybody in Google that they really enjoyed their time at our farm workshop, learning from the workshop, you know, hands-on. And I thought that's exactly what we're looking for. That's our goal, is uh, to run workshops where the farmer feels like it was a profitable endeavor, and whether or not that means he made some money or he uh, got some work done on his farm, and we'll get into that, Uh, it was profitable for him. But it's also a workshop that's profitable for somebody who comes to the workshop, somebody who has such a nice time at that workshop 
that they say, uh, you know, without even being asked, they go and they leave a five-star review. So how can you run profitable workshops on your homestead or on your small farm? That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode of Homesteady. And so we're going to get into that today. So stay with us. subject that I really love talking about. It's something we've done a long time. And of course, we'll be taking some questions. Uh, we will even take calls later in the show. And uh, if we can get in the chat box there, G-Man, the number to call, I'll share that over on YouTube as well. So you can call in and ask questions, talk about on-farm workshops that you've been to. Uh, whatever you whatever you want to talk about, we'll, uh, we'll go through that subject. So let's think about the whole idea behind a workshop, an on-farm workshop. Why would you even want to do this in the first place? On-farm workshops can be an incredibly uh, profitable tool, especially for small, local, uh, organic farms, uh, little homesteads that, have, that are running some business off of their farm, it's a great tool for the homesteader or the small farmer to make some money. It's a great tool to build a presence in the community. It's a great networking tool. Um, and of course, it's a great way to get a lot of work done in a very little time, which was something that we were able to do this weekend. So you've heard us talking about the orchard, preparing for this orchard. Uh, over the weekend, we had Dave from Northeast Edible. You can check out Dave's channel on YouTube. Uh, Dave came here with, I didn't actually count it, but it was probably about 40 different plants. He had a ton of plants with him. And I was thinking about how much time it would take just me and my family, me and Kay, uh, out there digging ditches to get all that work done. It would have definitely taken us more than the day. And when you have a bunch of you know bare root fruit trees and fruit bushes, you really want to get that stuff in the ground quickly. You don't want it sitting there, you know, open air, getting hot, getting cold, all those different things that could cause problems. And so this was an awesome way for us. Having this workshop was an awesome way for us to get a lot of trees in the ground. We just got a $2 super chat from Ben. Thank you, Ben. We really appreciate the $2 super chat. So that's how, we, uh, that's how we can do these live shows with your guys' support. Really appreciate that. So let's talk about this, this idea, this, this workshop that we had this weekend. Uh, it was not a workshop that our goal was actually to make money. Our goal for this workshop uh, for our farm was to get a bunch of trees in the ground. And we did charge money. We did charge for tickets. That wasn't for ourselves. That was actually for our, our instructor. Uh, Dave from Northeast Edible was coming all the way from New Jersey. Uh, he had to spend the you know the whole his whole Saturday here driving to and from New Jersey, and so we sold some tickets 
for people who came to the workshop uh, so that Dave could cover his travel expenses and just taking the day to teach us all how to install trees on the homestead. But uh, our, our profitability in this endeavor didn't come from ticket sales. It actually came from having five able-bodied people on farm helping us dig ditches, put trees in the ground. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of effort. But from the hours of 10 to 2, which is what we did for the workshop, we were able to get everything in the ground, and it worked out awesome. I got my uh, co-host at the at the microphone here. My six-year-old's joining me tonight. Want to close that door there, buddy? Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. When you come in, make sure you close the door. You got to keep the studio quiet. <laughs> so this week's this weekend's workshop was profitable for our farm in that we were able to get a ton of really great plants and trees in the ground with help from others. We didn't have to pay for hired help. It was profitable uh, for our guests because they were able to learn some real hands-on in the dirt how to put trees and uh, bushes in the ground the right way. And the best part was they had Dave there, our instructor. They could ask him any questions. Uh, they could you know, pick his brain for what they're planning on their homesteads. It was a really great way for them to be able to prepare for their own future homestead for just, you know, a few dollars and a couple hours digging in the dirt. And we know it was profitable for them because at the end of the day, so many of them said, hey, if you guys have any other work that you're doing here, we'd love to come back and help. Uh, they wanted to make sure they didn't miss out on any future uh, you know, future workshops or even future work days that we had on the farm. And it's hard as a, uh, as a small farm, it's hard to turn down free labor. <laughs> so it was profitable for our guests. It was profitable for us. It was profitable for Dave. He got to sell some plants. He got to make some money and tickets. Um, Dave really did a great job. He was an awesome instructor and he did not go, he didn't get paid near enough what he should have for spending the day teaching us all, all the things that he did. Uh, but it was good all around for all of us, for our businesses, for our just a nice spend a nice Saturday on the farm. And that's the idea. When you create a workshop on your farm, you want to be able to make sure that it's something that's profitable for you and your homestead or your farm, but also something that's profitable for your guests. Because ultimately, if you put on a workshop and you're just a slave driver, uh, people aren't going to enjoy themselves. And they're not going to leave five-star reviews, that's for sure. And you might get no repeat customers. Worse, you might have people talking badly about you. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, the different, uh, a couple different things regarding these workshops. We're going to talk a little bit about running them, uh, how to run them, how to market for them, how to prepare for them, how to make sure that they work for all the parties there, and uh, make sure that you have a really nice, happy Happy uh, event on your homestead. Whimsical Wonder Farm says, how do you go about setting up something like that? Great question, Whimsical Wonder Farm, and we're going to get into that. We're going to dive into that subject now on uh, how, we can, how we can have a nice profitable workshop on our homestead. Mm -hmm. 
So what do we want to consider? This is something that uh, we've been doing for years here on our homestead. Um, we actually, pretty quickly when we started our small farm business, we realized that workshops were going to be a tool, a way for us to turn certain endeavors more profitable. For example, we started selling pastured poultry, and pastured poultry was really hard to make profitable. It was a, it was tight margins. People were not very willing to spend high quality money on high quality chickens, and uh, so to make it something that was worth doing we were trying to come up with a way that we could earn a lot more money raising these chickens to cover the costs for our own family but not have to sell them because it just it, the numbers were not working out selling the pasture poultry on the scale that we were doing it and so after a year of of butchering our own chickens processing our own chickens uh, we started thinking you know this is a skill that people would probably like to learn how to process chickens do you remember processing chickens buddy my six-year-old's been there for the for the processing days. So we toyed with the idea of why don't we put a workshop together for uh, processing pastured poultry? Just see, you know, is this something people want to learn about? Will they actually come here and uh, and you know get their hands dirty? Actually learn to process a chicken? Uh, so we started advertising the class, and sure enough, people wanted to come. They wanted to learn how to raise their own pastured poultry. And in that first class, we realized that suddenly we were able to earn way more money raising chickens because each person that came to this workshop, we could charge, instead of just charging 20 bucks for a chicken, uh, we could charge 50 bucks per person to come and learn this. And so it was a great way. Uh, we learned real quick this was a much better way to turn a small farm or a small homestead into a profitable homestead. Now we are in Connecticut. Some of you, when you hear fifty dollars to come to a workshop, your eyes are going to bug out of your head. <laughs> We're in Connecticut, spending you know money like that to go for an event on a farm. It's not as crazy as it might be in other places. But before we did this event, there were some things that we had to make sure we were prepared for. And that's something you're going to want to make sure before you wind up opening your gates to total strangers. You want to make sure uh, that you're prepared in the right ways. So how can you make sure that you're prepared for running a workshop on your homestead. The most important thing you need to think about before bringing total strangers onto the property is uh, that you, that it's a safe environment for both you and for your guests. And so you need to make sure that your farm, you know, it's a, a neater farm, a safe farm. You don't want to have dangers to the people showing up but inevitably inevitably any farm is going to have some dangers especially if it's a working farm there's going to be some things people can get hurt on and so one thing i suggest if you're thinking about doing something like this if you're thinking about you know putting on farm workshops bringing total strangers is to have some legal protection because the minute you're hosting a butcher class and you have somebody, one of your you know, guests winds up chopping one of their fingers off, even if they don't go and sue you, you'll feel a lot better knowing that you've protected yourself legally uh, from something like this happening. So I'm not going to give you legal advice. I'm not going to talk to you about what you need to do. Um, for your particular circumstance. But I will tell you just a little bit about what we did. The first thing we did is we made sure 
to form an actual business entity when we decided to run this farm business. So this farm business is not a DBA. I don't take checks to my personal name. The farm is its own legal entity. And that legal entity, if something were to go wrong, the people would be suing that legal entity. They would be illegally trying to get the money from that legal entity. They would not be suing me. They would not be you know, coming after me. Again, I'm not going to talk specifics, whether or not you want that to be an LLC or a corporation or an S-Corp, any of those things. You're going to want to talk to an attorney. You're going to want to talk to your uh, CPA. A lot of times you can they can help you out with that. So make sure before you bring people onto your farm, you have thought about that and made a smart decision about that that issue. Legally, are you protected? And on top of just protecting yourself as a, you know, setting up a, a separate entity legally, you even can take it a step further and insure yourself, insure your farm business. Just so if someone comes on your farm and hurts themselves, you're not going to be up all night scared that you're going to lose the farm. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sounds like a lot of money, right? Oh, man, if I if I start my own legal entity, that's going to be money. If I you know, have insurance, that's going to cost me money. Yes and yes, those things cost money. When we set up ours, we uh, our legal entity setting that up with a lawyer was about a thousand dollars and setting uh paying for insurance every year we probably you know we pay i don't even know what we pay every month off the top of my head but we're spending money every month on insurance too and so when we host a workshop when we sell tickets that's one of the things that we're recouping is the cost so when people say well you're charging money people to come work on your farm that seems uh, that seems lame. <laughs> uh, that's one of the reasons why is well because we're paying to be insured against these things. So make sure you're prepared. Make sure your farm's a safe place where people are probably not going to get hurt. And then remember, they still may wind up getting hurt. And if that happens, you're going to be you're going to want to be protected. And to do that, again, talk to a CPA, a lawyer, and uh, an insurance man. And of course, the insurance man's going to agree that you need to have insurance because he's selling you some. But the fact is, it's just better one of those better safe than sorry. If that sounds like too much money to spend, if it's something you don't want to do, then forget this idea. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Because if you decide to do it and someone gets hurt, if anything, you're going to lose a lot of sleep, if not a lot more. So when you are all set, your farm's ready, and you know you're ready to have people on the farm, uh, then you're gonna wanna prepare for this specific workshop. And to do that, you need to remember people are coming who don't know how a farm works. They don't know about the dangers that are on a small farm. Uh, They're not familiar with what they should or shouldn't be doing. So make sure that you put up good signage. Where are people supposed to park? What are they not supposed to touch? Are there electric fences? Is there barbed wire somewhere they're gonna miss and trip? All those kind of things you want to take care of. Make it stupid proof. Big signs, park here. Avoid this. Please don't feed the pigs. Don't let your children chase the chickens. All that sort of thing you're going to want to take care of so that when they arrive, it's it's smooth and it's easy. Uh, they know exactly what they want to do. 
to get people to these events, you're going to need to market. You're going to need to be a marketer to get people to show up, uh, to get people to pay money. Even if it's a free workshop where you're just looking for some you know, extra pair of hands, you're going to need to let people know. So how do we go about marketing these? Well, that depends on what we're doing. That depends on the workshop itself. We have in the past used a lot of different marketing techniques. We have marketed through Facebook ads, especially if we're trying to target our local community. Facebook ads are a great way to do that, paid for Facebook ads. Uh, we have let people know through our podcast and our YouTube channel, and that's all pretty much all we did for this last one. We've hung flyers. You can put ads on Craigslist. Um, there's usually local to your community. There'll be maybe local newspapers, magazines, websites, social media, you know, your town, Facebook page, that sort of thing. You can let people know. And depending on what class you're hosting, that may change who is willing to share that information. So just as an example, a lot more people were excited to share our orchard workshop or in the past our chicken or our milking workshop. Uh, less people are excited to share the chicken butchering workshop. So, you know, depending on what the subject is, you might find one thing works better than another. You have to price it. And uh, that a lot of how you price it depends on what your goal is for profitability, right? So how are you how are you looking to be profitable? What are you looking to do at the event? Are you, for example, our two events, the first one that we had, the chicken butcher class, that event was not for me to get help butchering chickens. When people come onto your farm and learn how to, when people come onto the farm and they want to learn how to butcher a chicken, they are going to be much slower than you or any of your normal helpers. They're going to slow down the process. They're going to uh, not do a really great job. So having a chicken butcher workshop was not so that I could have free labor butchering chickens. So that class was much more tailored to the person showing up so they could learn. And for an event like that where you're really just providing education for the person coming where they're going to, you know, you're not getting free labor. You're just teaching someone. Uh, generally, you can charge a little bit more for those style workshops. And if your goal, again, is to make money, make something a bit more profitable, earn more money from raising chickens, something like that, well, then you can ask a little bit more money. For an event like our tree workshop, if I had asked the same amount of money I did for a chicken butcher uh, for people to come and help me plant trees, I don't think anyone would have come. <laughs> so for me, profitability this weekend was seeing having extra pair of hands to help me dig holes, help me put trees in the ground. And again, we did charge a little bit for tickets. We charged seven bucks a head, but that was to cover our instructor's expenses so he could come and join us for the day and teach us how to do this. So... Depending on what you're doing, if your event is focused on training others a skill that they need, uh, if it's focused completely on their experience, then maybe you can charge a little bit more. If your event is really to get some extra hands for a day, that's when you want to charge a little bit less. And depending on what, maybe you could even have a free workshop where people are learning and they're providing you with some extra, you know, extra labor and they're going away having learned something. So that's a great way to do that. Now, what do you have to think about when these people show up? What do you have to make sure? How do you make sure they have a nice time? 
We're going to talk about that, the way you want to treat your guests, your workers, your students, whichever these, whatever they are. We're going to talk about that, but first we're going to take a break and uh, listen to some uh, word from our sponsors. If you'd like to call into the show and uh, ask questions, talk about a workshop that you went to, uh, you know, any of those things, you can call into the show. And to do that, all you have to do is dial this number, which I'm looking for right now in the chat box, 347 202-0228 and then hit the number one and you can call in and chat with us share some stories with us ask questions call into the show oh i'm sorry wrong number here one three four seven two zero two zero two two eight press one was that the number that i shared not sure yeah, okay, we're good. <laughs> That's the number, guys. Call in. I'm going to share that in the chat box over on YouTube. Let's listen to a word from our uh, sponsors, and then we will be back to talk about workshops. This episode of Home Study is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh wants to change the way people eat forever. They believe everyone deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. And we at Homestudy definitely agree with that. One of the nicest things about HelloFresh is the fact that all the ingredients are fresh and they come in the portions that you need, so you're cutting back on food waste. Recently, I got to try HelloFresh out. Now, I am not very good in the kitchen, as you guys probably already know. I was very impressed by how easily I was able to put a meal for my family together. And that's because HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that is designed to make cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each of the recipes has step-by-step instructions that are designed to take around 30 minutes for anyone from a novice like myself to a seasoned home cook that just is short on time. The ingredients are fresh and they're measured to the exact quantities, so there's no food waste, which is awesome. I'm afraid the pigs aren't going to get much slop from these meals. If you're like me and cooking is not a strength, but you want to get better, maybe make it a skill of yours, well, HelloFresh is a great way to do it. You'll be given all the ingredients you need in the right amount so you don't have to go searching around for things and trying to figure out how much to use. And you can focus on actually figuring out how to cook, which is a really good life skill to have, especially for someone homesteady who's going to be growing farm fresh ingredients and harvesting from their own land. HelloFresh offers a classic box, a veggie box, or a family box. They now have a meal plan that's just $30. That's less than $10 per meal. If you want to give HelloFresh a try, we have a special offer for you. Use promo code HOMESTUDY30 at checkout, and you get $30 off your first order. So visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code HOMESTUDY30. We want to make sure uh, that when visitors come, they have a profitable profitable experience. Maybe we'll get work done. Maybe we'll earn some money. But if our guests for the day don't enjoy themselves and feel leaving like they have more than what they walked on the property with, whether that's knowledge, whether that's a product that they made, 
they won't feel like it was a profitable experience. Then they're not going to tell nice things about your farm. They're not going to tell the local community to go check you out. It's going to be completely different than what happened with us this weekend, where everyone was saying, hey, we'd love to come again. Please let us know. Uh, leaving us five-star reviews without us asking over at Google. That was awesome. So how do you make sure that it's a positive experience for them? Well, that's what we're going to get into. So how do we focus on our visitors' happiness level, making sure that they leave profitable? First, we need to remember that our visitors are not the same as hired help. So this weekend, we were putting like I said, 40 trees into the ground. That's a lot of work to do. And if I was hiring five people for the day or even two or three people for the day, uh, what would have happened that day would have been a lot different than what happened with our guests. So our guests showed up. Uh, we introduced, we took some time getting to know everybody, talking about where everyone was from. Uh, then we sat down and we had a, a sit-down discussion. For about an hour, we sat there. Dave explained about trees how they work he explained about how to plan for your orchard uh, so much time went into the education side now if i had just paid these people to come and work on my farm if i had a bunch of paid employees for the day there wouldn't be any education part there wouldn't be any explanation part it would be hey there's a shovel start digging holes if you have a workshop where someone has paid to come and even if they paid to come and do some work on your farm to learn and you say oh hi welcome to the farm there's your shovel start digging holes well right away they're not getting an educational experience they're not getting a community ex building experience or they just feel like they're they're helping you work and that might be a negative feeling so you want to make sure that they're getting a lot from this we like to provide refreshments. So we like to make sure at some point during the day, uh, we have a little snack, some drinks for them. Again, maybe not something we would do for hired help. You know, it's nice to give your hired help some snacks if you got it. Uh, but if it was hired help, we'd be more likely to say, you know, bring your own lunch. Or, uh, you know, maybe if it was a short day, we wouldn't even break if it was just a couple hours work. But again, these are not hired workers. These are your guests who are here for the workshop. You want to make sure they're learning. They're enjoying their time. I First thing I said, go tour the farm. Take a look at the animals. You know, Spend some time getting to enjoy this place. A lot of people coming to your workshops, they might be from the city. They might be out here. We had a couple that was from Brooklyn. And uh, they, were, they were so excited just to spend some time on the farm. And see the animals they're very active uh in their local farm scene they have a like a rooftop uh rooftop garden that they go to and spend time on uh, so they like to get their hands dirty they like to spend time working in the dirt but they you know they're not on a farm as often as we are so it was nice for them to really get to see see the you know the farm and that's what you want to make sure is they're getting to enjoy the experience, that they're learning, uh, that they're getting a lot out of this, uh, a lot of value out of this experience. Not just what they're learning, but the whole experience is something that they really enjoy. It feels like a nice way to spend a Saturday or whatever day you're doing it. That's why they're there. They're there for that experience. And you want them to leave having had an amazing experience because if they leave having had a good experience, then they're going to tell others about your farm. They might tell others about what you sell. 
They might tell others about the workshop itself. Um, we've had people here for, you know, workshops that found out that we sell pastured pork and they've told their friends that we sell pastured pork and maybe they bought some of the pastured pork, maybe not. But they learn about your farm, they have this experience, and then they go and tell everybody locally that they know about this great time that they spent on the farm. So if you give them a really great experience, something to talk about that they're excited about, uh, something to take Instagram pictures over, then you're going to get some free publicity. You're going to get, you know, if they leave special ratings for your farm, uh, tell their friends about it. That's that's the best way. You want them to feel like it was a profitable experience for them. And that way it will be even more profitable for you in the future. Because these are not hired helpers, you're not necessarily going to get as much accomplished with these on-farm workshops as you would hiring workers. So if I had hired five workers versus having five guests for the workshop, it would have gone a lot quicker with five hired workers. I would have said, guys, I need this row here, this row here, this row here, dig this many holes, put the trees in, cover them up. All right, let's go to it. The work would have been done a lot quicker. But remember, hired workers are going to cost you money, whereas a workshop you could actually earn some money from or at least get some free help. So you're going to work slower. Things are going to take longer. So prepare for that. Don't plan a workshop with the idea that five people are coming and you're going to have the work of five, like five workers, instead know, well, I have five people coming, we'll work hard for a few hours, and then we'll spend a couple hours talking, they'll, be, they'll want to sightsee, take pictures, maybe have a little picnic lunch on the farm. So don't plan too much. This, I go back to the chicken butcher class that we, uh, we used to host all the time. The chicken butcher class, each student to butcher one chicken took so much longer than it would take me and my my helpers to butcher a chicken so we wouldn't even plan the workshop on the same day as the day we were doing our chicken butchering we would do our chicken butchering on for example a friday and we would leave five birds for the next day's workshop or we would do the workshop on saturday and then maybe the following weekend uh, do our butchering because it took so much longer for five students to butcher their first chicken because it's their first time ever killing a chicken and it takes them time to gain the courage and the whole process is a lot slower and you can't treat it like you would if you've been doing this a long time and you're you know you're quicker with the process with them you need to go nice and slow and easy so it's a totally different kind of day so remember, even though you have more hands, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a lot more work done. It just means you're going to have a lot different people. And if you have, for example, a lot of plants to get in the ground, you, it might help you do that. With, with our circumstance with this weekend with the tree workshop, we got a ton more work done than just me and my wife could have on a Saturday. So it was great for that. So just plan accordingly. Now, I want to take some questions, guys, and I'm going to check. I see uh, in the chat box over in YouTube, uh, we, s we have a couple people mentioning things. Just tag at home study if you have a question about any of this so I can see. And same with Prepper Broadcasting. If you guys have a question, uh, just tag at home study so I can see your questions. And don't forget, we can take phone calls, 1-347-202-0224. And then press 1 and we can take your questions called in. We'd be happy to take those questions. So 
let's see. Just checking for questions before we go on here, guys. Doesn't look like I have any questions yet, but make sure to tag us and they'll they'll jump out at me if we do. Okay, here we go. How many people do you consider a good turnout for an event? Good game bees and homestead. Great question. That all depends on the event. So with the workshop that we did this weekend, I was hoping for 10 people because we had a lot of trees and a lot of plants to put in the ground. 10 different people could have all had a good chance at planting a couple different plants and uh, would have been nice for you know ticket sales for Dave. It would have been a little bit better if we'd covered more of Dave's expenses that way. Uh, for me, we got everything we wanted to done with the five, so that was fantastic. Our 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 guys who came this weekend, our guys and girls who came this weekend for the workshop were fantastic. So it all depends. For a chicken butcher class, I can't do much more than five because it just takes too long. Uh, so it all depends on the event and the goals for the event. If you have an event that's basically just group education, you know, basic intro classes, big groups are great for that. If something's a lot more technical or specific, smaller groups are usually better for that. So great chant, uh, great question, guys. Keep them coming. We got we got plenty more time for questions. <laughs> so when it when we talk about um, charging, we already covered this a little bit, but remember when you're planning these events, when your goal when your goal is to get work done on your farm, generally a bigger group's going to be better, and a smaller ticket price will get you more people. If the goal is to turn something on your farm into a more profitable enterprise through teaching and education if it's highly specific highly um, intensive training on something that maybe you don't need the extra help you just want to help teach other people then you can charge a little bit more and a smaller group is is a great way to go thrifty truckers asks us when is your next workshop <laughs> guys I don't think we're doing another workshop for a long time. One of the things we like to do when we do a workshop, we like to really clean up the farm, make sure it looks really, really nice. We have these guests coming onto the farm and we want it to look really good. And that is a lot of work. Any working farm, whether you're a really neat and tidy working farm or just a total disaster farm, <laughs> any working farm has some mess and you want it to look its nicest when you have people there because these are potential Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com their potential customers maybe for your product that you sell and if they're there and they think your farm looks dirty maybe they're not going to want to buy food so we go through a lot of effort to really spruce up the farm nice when we have the the workshops and that extra bit of sprucing really adds a lot of time onto our daily chores so we probably will not have another workshop this year we usually do about one per year it's just all we have the the energy for and if you want to know about our upcoming workshops uh, go on over to, <laughs> we just got a comment at Prepper Broadcasting. 
two finger T says, have a workshop for cleaning the mess. Reality workshop. That's a great idea. <laughs> Come on down and see what a farm really looks like and learn how to clean it the right way. <laughs> great idea, guys. So if you want to know about our upcoming workshops, head over to thisishomesteady.com. We have an email list over there that you can join. And we make sure to tell everybody on the mean, uh, email list finds out everything that we're doing, you know, all the stuff, all the workshops they get all the news for. So let's see if we got any more questions here. Flying Dutchman, my uncle would use his auger to make holes for his cherry trees and then plant his own mix of soil. Did you use an auger? Great question, Flying Dutchman. We did not use augers because I had all these, all this help, all my, uh, all the the guests. <laughs> we were able to get a lot of digging done. For the trees that we planted on Saturday, uh, the holes we had to dig were not very deep. They were very small trees with very small roots. Uh, the best Dave taught us one of the best times to plant the trees at that small age where very small diameter small root ball They have more time to grow on your property and get used to uh, your soils and all that st stuff uh, So we didn't have much hard digging to do uh, So we didn't need the auger the biggest tree we had the root ball was maybe you know the size of a basketball and Dave had us dig about double not quite double the space that the, that the roots needed uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of hard digging and some things that help that, just if you're, you know, if you are planting an orchard in the future, we had one of those iron bars, so we could, if there were a lot of rocks, we could throw that iron bar down there, pry around, <clears throat> excuse me, pry around, and uh, clear the hole of any big rocks or anything. So it was not a big issue. And having all that help, having all those guests on the workshop, really, it was incredible how quickly we had all those trees planted. So just that was just fantastic. So we got a good question from Ben SW. Ben asks, would you suggest focusing on one type of workshops or would you do several different topics? Really like that question, Ben. And I guess that depends on, again, depends on what you're doing on your farm, your goals, that sort of thing. Um, we have done over the years multiple workshops and some workshops were more money, more focused on teaching the skills that the people wanted to learn and not helping us out other than in earning profit. But then we also had workshops like this one where we were trying to get work done. So if I were you, if I were starting up, I would just start with one because the whole idea of a workshop is new in itself. Start with something you really know well that you are an authority on. Don't have a workshop for something you've never done. Or if you're going to do that, do what I did. I am not an authority on planting trees. I am not good with plants. I am not good with gardening. So have an expert come to your farm like Dave from Northeast Edible. And uh, he can be the expert. You can provide the venue and hopefully you know the audience for your expert there. So I would say if you're thinking about doing workshops for your small farm, start with one. Pick something you know real well that you can be the expert for. And start spreading the word. Get some news out on Facebook. Put flyers all around your town, any place you can hang a flyer. You know, ask your local feed shop. Generally, if you're a farmer, you're headed to the same feed and the same same feed and seed store all the time. We're always in and out of Agway or Tractor Supply. 
so those guys know me. They see me every week. So saying to them, hey, do you guys mind if I tape a, a flyer to the window is no big deal. They're always more than happy to, to let you hang the flyer. So uh, so get started. Get some. Get the news out there. Hang some flyers. And just see. You know, start with a lower price with our workshop, our uh, chicken butcher workshop. Over the years, we tried all kinds of different stuff. We started off with the basic workshop. We charged 50 bucks per person for that workshop. And I sold plenty of tickets to the first one. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to up the price because I sold tons of tickets. So I upped the price to 60. I still t- sold a bunch of tickets. Then I thought, you know what? Let me bundle it with some equipment. So I partnered with the guy whose equipment I used, Power Plucker. You guys have heard we've partnered with him before on different projects. Uh, so I partnered with him to sell a bundle along with the class. Well, that didn't do so well. The price went up too high, and people didn't want to pay that much to come and learn how to kill a chicken. And they didn't really want the equipment. They more wanted the experience, learn how to do it one time, and then be done. So we didn't sell as many tickets when we started bundling. So we figured out, ah, forget that, kind of scale back. So just, you know, try it. If you're if you're geared up for it, for the whole workshop idea, throw out some flyers, see if people show up. If they show up, if a ton of people show up, maybe you can raise your price, make it a little more specific. If you don't have a real lot of success with that, try something different. Guys, we got uh, Allison Holly just joined us. Allison is our uh, editor. She's been helping us out. So give a special hello to Allison in the chat box and uh, over on uh, the YouTube channel. Allison gets a little bit of a break. We're taking a short break from the podcast because we're putting together a survey. We want to find out <clears throat> excuse me, about the future of the podcast. We want to learn what people are enjoying the most. So Allison has the week off. And so she's joined us for the live stream. Hey, Allison, thanks for watching. So let's see, do we have any more questions? Looks like we cleared all the questions in both the chat boxes. And uh, looks like we got, yep, no more questions there. So we're, we're good there. So for the last couple of minutes here, guys, I'm just going to tell you about if you have any more questions on workshops, fire away. Be happy to happy to talk about the workshops that we've done. Uh, but for the last couple of minutes, I'll just tell you how our day, how Saturday finished up. So we had people turn up from Brooklyn. We're here in Connecticut. We had people two hours either side of us come and join us. And um it was, it was great. It was great to have people who, they were all people who listened to the podcast. So that was very cool to have supporters of the show, people who listened to, they were telling me the one couple has been doing road trips all around the United States, just looking for future homestead properties. And they said, oh yeah, every time we go on the road trip, we put homesteady on and we listen for hours during the road trip. I apologize for having to listen to me talk for hours and hours on end, <laughs> but they seem to enjoy it. So it was really great to have people. Everyone was kind of united by this this goal of homesteading, this love of homesteading. I had a, one of my neighbors came for the course. I got to meet one of my neighbors. And then these other two who drive from two hours one direction, the other two from two hours the other direction. Uh, we had about an hour in the beginning, like I said, where Dave explained everything, uh, taught everybody what they needed to know. We put 11 different trees, six 
six or eight different varieties. So we've planted fruit trees, we've planted apples, peaches, pears, plums, uh, we've planted nectarines, um, mulberries, cherries, did I mention pears? <laughs> I think I mentioned pears. All sorts of really fantastic fruit trees. And then Dave's design, with every tree, we then had a, a bush and then a smaller kind of ground cover. So he was helping us design a food forest. So a big tree and then a small bush and then some ground cover. So the smaller bushes, we had blueberries, we had raspberries, um, a couple different other trees. I don't even remember. We had pawpaws, uh, persimmons. And then down on the ground cover level, we were planting strawberries. We planted asparagus uh, to kind of, you know, these were ground perennials that would grow over the years. The strawberries are called ever-bearing. I believe it was ever-bearing strawberries. So they'll yield strawberries for months, not just in June. So we just were able to put so many different varieties of fruit and perennial plants in the ground. And the idea, Dave's design was, and we've talked about this, I know we're talking about the fruit a lot. The idea was six months of fruit. So now on our homestead, we have this orchard, which over the next year or two, will start yielding fruit to the point where eventually we'll have six months of fruit starting earlier in the season, going into the fall. And in addition to the six months of fruit, we just finished up planting all our pastures. You've been following, if you've been following us on YouTube, you've seen we've been filling and preparing the whole area for our new pastures. Well, we just got our all our pasture mix from the local organic farm who does seed. And we just finished planting all the pastures. So we got all the fruit. We got this tons more pasture opened up. We'll be able to bring a lot more livestock onto this property. The yield on this homestead is doubling, maybe tripling. Last couple of years, we've been really focused on just raising our own meat. And that's huge because when you raise your own meat, you know, you figure most families, you know, your, port, your meat portion is probably one of your bigger portions on the plate. So, you know, whether it's half, whether it's a third, or maybe a fourth, if you're raising or harvesting all your own meat, then you're essentially covering, you know, half or a third of all your food if you raise all your own meat. So we really had focused on meat for a long time. And we've worked and worked and worked in the garden, but not much success. Now with this expansion, we're going to be able to get more of our meat covered, especially as the kids grow and get a little bit older here and start eating more and more, which is happening quickly. <laughs> but um, now we have all this fruit, which is just great because the kids love fruit. They tear through it. And that uh, being able to wipe that expense out by with fresh fruit for six months out of the year that's going to be fantastic. So I'm really excited. It's been a ton of work. I'm really, really tired. This spring has been incredibly busy, but it's going to be yielding far, far into the future. And if we can take good care of these trees, keep them healthy. Uh, Dave talked about, you know, in the beginning, we want to water them, make sure that over the next couple of weeks, we're watering every few days. If it doesn't rain, if it does rain, then then we're all right. But if it doesn't, we got to, you know, take care of the watering issue. We've got a heavy mulch on them all, so that'll help absorb, you know, if there's rain, it'll help keep the water a little bit. But 
keeping that stuff going, pruning it, you know, taking care as it enters into the, the fall and winters, back in the spring, making sure it's healthy and ready to go. We're going to be able to get more and more yield from all this, hopefully to the point where we have a little bit of a surplus that either we can sell a little bit of fruit or just have some open farm days where we let our local friends and family and local community come see the farm and pick something off the tree, which is definitely uh, something that, you know, something we'd, we'd enjoy doing. So guys, I think we're going to we're gonna quit a little bit early tonight. We've covered the workshop topic pretty well. I don't see any more questions. If there are, before we close out, make sure to get them in the chat box quick and uh, let me know. I have a big week coming here. I'm going to be doing some turkey hunting and I want to make sure all my gear is prepared <laughs> and ready to go. Line Flyer just uh, says... Homesteady, I processed and smoked my geese. Taste and texture of a steak or pork chop. A little tough, though. Guys, congrats. That's that's big progress right there. I have not, I've still yet to have geese. That's something on the to-do. We'll see. Uh, but congratulations. It's a good feeling to be able to put your own up. So thanks for joining us for tonight's show, guys. Uh, we see, uh, let's see, as we're closing out here, we got a lot, a lot of newer faces at the end of the show here in uh, the YouTube chat box. So thanks for joining us tonight. Same over at Prepper Broadcasting. Guys, we'll see you next week, hopefully with some turkey hunting stories, if things go well in the up and coming week. I am uh, been turkey hunting for, I want to say seven years now, and I have still yet to even see a turkey while I'm out turkey hunting. I've heard them, but I've never seen them. So hopefully by next week, I'll have a better story than my last turkey hunting story I shared a couple years back where I went out turkey hunting and I cut my leg open and had to be rushed to the hospital. <laughs> so we'll catch you guys next week. Hopefully we will have a good turkey hunting story to share with you. And until then, uh, special thanks to Prepper Broadcasting for hosting our show every week. Thanks to you guys here on YouTube. Thanks to Ben, our super chatter for the night, who helps us uh, do the show every week. We'll see you guys next week. Till then, the road is rocky. Make home steady. So if you just finished that episode and you're thinking to yourself, boy, the production quality on this show has just gone down. Well, that's because that is just a recording of the live stream. And that's what you're going to be expecting more of if you want a weekly show. So if you finish that episode thinking, wow, what a bunch of great information. Love it. Then go over, take the survey, and say, I want a weekly show, and it will sound like that. But if you're thinking to yourself, ooh, I just I miss all that good production quality and uh, the music and, and the narratives that were sculpted out of the stories, well, then go and say, no, I want quality. Those are the questions on the survey. We want your opinion, guys, and we're going to give a $100 gift certificate to Tractor Supply to somebody who takes the survey. So head on over to thisishomesteady.com, click on the button on the homepage. It will help us shape the future of the show because we really want to produce a show for you and we want to know what you want. So thanks, guys, and we will talk to you soon.